Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Welcome, one and all, to episode 128 of the DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, we talk everything DC, movies, TV streaming, comics, and any other DC-relevant news that happens to come our way. Uh, I'm your host, Brad Blicky. With me today is the amazing Seth Singleton. I love that. I feel like I need to get like an outfit to go with it. You know, like the Flying Graysons, except the amazing... Yeah, although if you actually figured out Amazing Seth Singleton, it would be ASS, and that just sounds like a terrible thing to put on an album. So, you know, that's me. Brad, how you doing? Good to hear from you. I'm doing good. <laughs> Steve, Steve. And, wow. And also is, yes, the incredible Steve J. Ray. Okay. <laughs> I'll take no, incredible totally over ASS. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, brothers. It's a joy to be pounding the airways with you both once again. Indeed. All right. So we can jump right into movie news. Uh, first up, uh, J.K. Simmons is in talks to reprise his role as Commissioner Gordon for the Batgirl movie. Uh, Seth, what do you think about this? Well, I love a good casting development. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have. Uh, the announcement about Leslie Grace recently. Um, and I remember that actually that casting news led you and I to then, I, I think it was you and I, and we were like, hey, so how does this play into the selection for, uh, for Gordon? And I like the idea that it sounds like J.K. Simmons wants to you know, continue his continuity. And I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. I, I, I love the, the gravitas he always brings. I mean, whether it's in live action or animated, the guy's got that voice and he's got a great presence to go with it. He commands it. I mean, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to see him uh, reprising his scene and then potentially seeing, you know, what that chemistry is like with, uh, with Barbara. Steve, what do you think? Everything you just said, JK's a star, whether he's the obnoxious ranting John Jonah Jameson for the Marvel universe, what little we saw of him in, um, well, it was expanded slightly in the uh, Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, but what we saw of him as Jim Gordon, I liked. The man can act, as you said, presence, the voice, 
he would make a fantastic Jim Gordon. She's going to be a brilliant Barbara Gordon stroke back girl. Um, and it's all those weirdos out there who say, well, hang on, how can um, she be mixed race and he be white girl? Well, hey, so maybe the Barbara Gordon in this universe is a black woman. So don't even worry about it. Or maybe they're going to go down one of the often wondered routes of continuity where at some point um, Barbara was adopted. The whole thing where Jim Gordon um, had a son and people went nuts. I said, well, hang on, how come? How can you have a son called Jim Jr.? Where's Barbara? Where's Barbara? Well, if you're thinking about it, Barbara would probably have been in college already at that age. So is she adopted? Is she mixed race? It doesn't matter. She's Barbara Gordon. She's Batgirl. He's Jim Gordon, the commissioner. And both of them are two of the greatest characters in comics. If he's back, I'm all for it. What about you, Brother Brad? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with uh, with both of you. Uh, he, is, you know, Jackie Simmons is an incredible actor, so he can definitely pull it off. And we've seen him in the role, and he was, uh, I thought, I, he was great. I, I loved him as Gordon. And you're absolutely right, Steve, too, about well, how can she be mixed race, this and that. It doesn't matter. There's ways to, you know, what we want is we want good performances, a good story, and the rest will fall into place. And uh, I do like that they're kind of keeping that connective tissue going between the Snyder Cut and the Batgirl movie and things like that with using the same actors in these roles. So I think all around, it's just uh, it's just really good news. So this is one of those productions that I'm going to enjoy watching come together. And I'm sure we're going to have lots of fun casting news to talk about in the weeks and months to come. And um, moving on, we... Uh, got some pictures uh from the flash with uh ben affleck as the batman uh what was your take on this seth man what's not to love <laughs> i mean the, this is some really great stuff uh as i've heard it said on uh, a few occasions recently that's quite a nice bike that we get to see in uh in these pictures and we get to see it actually in action in one of the video clips um it was kind of fun for me looking at it and thinking to myself batman daytime not always what you expect but what an ominous sight and what a powerful like moment that would be if you're just on the street and you're like there goes batman wow like you would just you know what i mean i'm not sure if there's you could say all this stuff everybody's gonna say wow that's cool great bite you know what i mean but there's gonna be another party that's gonna be like shut up Use your eyes and your memory, man, because you just saw something. Uh, a lot of excitement and enthusiasm just comes with these uh, photos and that video clip. You just get that that feeling of how much closer we're getting. I don't know. There's that sense of anticipation that increases. Um, used to go running and stuff, and uh, there was always that great moment when you're aware that once you hit this one marker, you've only got this further distance to go until you're at the finish line. And that even if it's not your own personal finish line, it's a great feeling. So I feel like we're getting closer to those markers and pretty soon it's going to be like, hey, look around. Movies here. Steve, what do you think? In the immortal words of Robert Patrick, as the T-1000 in Terminator 2, say, that's a nice bike. Um, and what a bike it is. I see lots of similarities to the Batmobile. I see the Ben Affleck Batman back. We already know Michael Keaton's in this film. And I'm just thinking, 
looking back to the crisis on infant earth crossover on the arrowverse shows looking at this looking at the new suicide squad movie which isn't a reboot or a sequel or both or could it just be this is the suicide squad of earth 2 could we see a certain mr pattinson turning up as batman in that film could this be the beginning of the dc multiverse omniverse metaverse on screen whatever the case we're getting the flash in his own movie we're getting a couple of batmen and the whole daylight thing i don't know if you guys have noticed when you watch films these days remember back in the days when especially when digital media first started a nighttime scene would be all grainy and and hard to see but recently you've seen nighttime shots which are crystal clear it's because a lot of them are filmed in the day now and they take the color out reduce the contrast and saturation and make it nighttime and they'll add the cgi cape too because he isn't wearing one but you can't have batman without the cape so um i'm just happy to see that uh good old uk has batman riding his bike down the streets and it makes me proud to be a bat fan and a dc fan what about you uncle brad <laughs> yeah that is some bike i will say that that is like uh half tank half bike so i kind of can't wait to see that uh, in action, and I, I I am curious if they're going to digitally add the cape later. Now I'm leaning towards that they will, but maybe they're keeping it practical and realizing that maybe having a long flowing cape when you're riding a bicycle isn't the smartest idea. So we, or I should say, not bicycle, <laughs> motorcycle. But we will see how that plays out, I guess. But this is just making me more excited for the Flash movie uh, as a whole. And speaking of that bike, uh, we also got news from the Flash movie set that a crew member uh, was injured in an on-set accident. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? As soon as I read the story, I could totally relate to the experience of trying to film something while it's in action. And I distinctly remember my wife and I a couple of years ago went up north to a beach area. and We took the dogs out on this dog-friendly beach and they were off leech and we're running around. And I ran a far enough distance away from my wife and she let go of my pit bull who just came sprinting towards me. And then she started running towards the water. So I'm filming and trying to run and I don't see the giant rock near my left foot. And I totally hit the rock and eat it in the water. It's on video. It's hilarious. And I was like, splish, you know, kept the phone up in the air kind of a thing. But when I read about this, I mean, essentially the cameraman's filming what's going on. He's on the tracking bike. And then you know, you're getting so close to the shot. You just, I'm just thankful no one got hurt. And, and in the end, this seems like a fun story where hopefully most of the crew buys him a beer later that night says, Hey, you know, thanks for not getting too hurt. And God, you've got a great fun bit of footage. If you ever decide to share that with the world, Steve, what was your take? It's a great story for the grandkids, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a fun one. Exactly. Hey guys, um, watch this. I know grandpa. <laughs> it's just going to be funny and i hope they put it on the blooper reel if the aforementioned crew member is safe and sound and he's okay but what i notice about this kind of story is i think he's absolutely fine because he isn't named as he isn't named it means he's okay you always get the name of the person injured because we've had it a few times on this show when uh, there's been accidents and that and that horrible death on set a couple of years back on the show 
that they always name the person in that case. So the fact that there's no name attached means that he's going to be fine. And um, the Flash movie will roll on just like the big, bad, bad bike. What do you make of it, Brad? Uh, yeah, I think we can all agree that, thank God, he, you know, this, this crew member was okay. Uh, they were apparently hit by the bike a little bit. So just glad that they're okay because, you know, we've had a slew of bad news stories about things like this on this podcast. So it's nice that we can, uh, you know, we can joke about it just, you know, just a little bit. They, you know, they weren't seriously injured. So that's great. And, you know, this is, it comes with the territory of a huge production like this. So, I'm just glad everybody is safe and can get back to, you know, doing doing what they love and getting this movie out there so that fans can uh, can enjoy it. And our last bit of movie news is we got to see a trailer for uh, for Mad Men Only, which is a documentary uh about uh del close who was a who's big in the improv scene and who uh helped create the dc comic title wasteland which was a horror anthology uh seth what was your take on this well a very powerful trailer i'm really intrigued by uh the concept behind it um who who del close was i i feel like i might have read his name somewhere once but other than that uh, other than it just sounding like two names that I might have heard actually independently, and now they just sound good together. This is the first time I'm here. I don't know. But I like so much about what it presents and that amazing challenge of this incredibly gifted person who's credited with being the, the key to kind of unlocking all these brilliant talents, and then who turned around to this amazing comic, which uh, suggests a, a lovely idea about you know taking cues from your life and just twisting them into horror and then the the challenge of i mean being a person who does all of those things and if you're an artist how far are you going to push yourself i mean clearly they they talk about how it's going to address things like alcoholism casual drug use even magic which makes me smile because i know grant morrison was and maybe still is a practitioner of magic um i'm pretty sure um alan moore still holds some connection to the wizard title which i, I think is apropos um, I, I i love that there's this awareness of just how powerful this guy was and and how influential and yet at the same time i don't think there was a pursuit as much of fame maybe this film will un unlock that or not but there, there's always something amazing when you follow an artist's journey and this sounds like it's one of those messy ones and uh, also, while I was watching it, like the movie Barfly just kept coming to mind, like in so many ways. But but also the sort of just overall uh, wondrous absurdity, you know, of. Uh, oh, goodness. Um, who am I thinking of? Andy, Man on the Moon. Uh, Kaufman. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just someone who is aware of the fact that you're going to hit and miss, but uh, unless you're shooting for the stars, unless you're going really absurd sometimes, like, what's the point? And it's beautiful. It's tragic. And I think sometimes those are the most, like, captivating stories. All right, all right, all right. So sometimes I ramble. Steve, come on, man. 
No, that was a beautiful rant, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I got a Calvin vibe from that too, and the, and the whole thing is like you say, if you if you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, go big or go home, and that's what the vibe I got from this story. And we've always said that um, DC does anthologies better than anybody, and this trailer and this film looked like an anthology. They looked like a patchwork. They looked like a a collage of different styles, different mediums, different art, and this guy's life seems like it was that as well so bravo um I, I love art where it tells a story in lots of different ways and brings in opinions and thoughts and emotion and fantastic it's the kind of stuff i love the kind of stuff that makes me a fan so when i first saw it on the news i thought what's this got to do with dc well wastelands like we said a classic anthology dc does horror dc does anthologies better than just about anybody so bring it on loved it what about you brad two things i love about this story just from a fan of movies is that i love documentaries where i don't know about the subject and i really had never heard of del close before so i'm really intrigued just to learning more about him and he seemed to have had a uh, incredible life and and the people that are getting here to talk about it and, and about him is just, is just amazing and I'm really intrigued that the, the the Wasteland comic is like a real big part of this documentary they're making it sound between um, like the animated sequences and things like that it seems like that Wasteland comic is going to be very prevalent in this documentary which is also very intriguing to me which I really want to check out and I kind of want to check out the comic. I'd never really heard of it. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm, this is going to be a lot to learn. Like, uh, it's on demand now. So if you're interested, look it up uh, on VOD and you should be able to find it. That does wrap up our uh, movie news. And we're going to move on to TV and streaming. And up first, uh, something that we talked a little bit about, uh, I believe it was last week. Uh, Matt Ryan is going to assume a new role on Legends of Tomorrow. And Seth, what was your take on this? Well, this is one of those things that Legends has done phenomenally well. Like, I, I love the idea of you know, the way characters can be one thing <laughs> and so clearly one personality and then show up later. And they are a distinctively different person. I think the you know the great example that they can model after is how well it's been demonstrated on Flash. I mean, granted, you know it's it's a Wells character, but every version of Wells is so seriously different from the next that it's just as much fun no matter which version you get. I love the idea that we're still going to get uh, a Matt Ryan who's very eccentric, and that you know, there's that recognition of the fact that you've done it well before and you can do it well again. And you also know that you're doing it with an extremely talented actor, somebody who has demonstrated just how strong they are. Um, so that potential, that possibility, and then mixing in the fact that, uh, you know, this trailer that's included with the story, just, yeah, there's some good stuff to enjoy here. The the fact that, you know, just when you want to have a simple wedding, you don't always get that and other problems can arise. Yeah. I like uh, I like what's in store, and I love that we still get to have Matt Ryan, even though Constantine's story comes to a close. Steve, what do you think? Exactly the same. It's good news, bad news, isn't it? Bad news, we're losing Constantine, but you know, good news, 
Matt Ryan's staying on board and he's a hell of an actor. He's versatile. When I heard he was cast as Constantine in the first place, I thought, what? That Welsh boy, the guy from um, the Tudors, really? And then I saw him and I thought, yeah. So let's see him broaden his horizons, flex his acting muscles and bring us a brand new character. And even like you said, Seth, even on Legends of Tomorrow, we've seen um an actor play multiple roles we've had brandon routh as both ray palmer and superman we've had um amaya and charlie two very different characters played by the same actress so i just think it's another way forward another look at the multiple earths which i've already mentioned once on this show and seeing how a character's life can be vastly different but are they still even partly the same person underneath really looking forward to it great actor and hopefully another great role to stick on his resume what about you brad uh yeah i think that a lot of shows if they were going to do something like this i wouldn't like it i think it was a terrible idea but uh legends is one of those shows where they can make it work because it is so quirky and off the wall and bonkers that you know they can find ways to use the same actor in a different role so i I, i'm really am curious to see how it all comes together uh and and it's one of those i I think it's one of those things that are are reasons why people tune into the show because it is that quirky and strange and that they can do things like this so yeah i'm glad that you know like you said steve that we're losing constantine but i'm glad that uh you know matt ryan's going to be able to stick around so yeah we'll see what happens and uh, up next, we have uh, some uh, Lucifer season six news. We uh, got a premiere date and we got to see some photos. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? Well, I love the announcements when you've got the, the date to sort of like, you know, lock down for yourself. Like, hey, this is when it's coming. And <laughs> the fact that fans who've enjoyed the way season five ended and all the potential behind season six and, and what just can happen when Lucifer has all that power <clears throat> in his hands. And, you know, well, what, what's really going to happen? You know, do you just go buck wild or do you suddenly find yourself, you know, uh, sort of burdened by the mantle of responsibility and all the other fun things that can come up? And then this uh, this additional story that RuPaul's Drag Race is going to have uh, two of its stars, Katya and Bob the Drag Queen, appear uh, on the sixth season. Uh, always kind of fun to consider how these characters can be folded in, what the storylines are. Um, the pictures point to some very memorable and photogenic scenes. But I, I like the idea of also, you know, a doodle and at least one character being held by knife point during the whole suggestion of all the possibilities that can come from season six. So I don't know, man, for me, it's a lot of fun. The the kick for me is that this is one of those shows I need to get on with. And I know that, and I haven't. So along the way, the stuff that I hear just makes me chuckle. Like, all right, man. All right. Some point you got to press the button and get to it. But in the meantime, uh, clearly, those who have been watching regularly have been enjoying themselves and there's plenty of more reasons why they will be in this next season. Steve, how about you? Lucifer's one of those shows that I've been watching religiously or possibly sacrilegiously considering the subject matter. But um, I love 
this show because again it can do anything and be anything we've had a musical episode in season five and this was the show that should have ended after season three good old netflix saved the day and they've added another season even though season five was going to be the last one and brad and i often joke that this series will live forever and we may even be watching it in hell long after we pass (laughs) pass on from this mortal coil so um bring on season six the photos look great rupaul's drag race uh, legends are going to be on it too bring on the diversity bring on the devil and um well speaking of which if anyone's a devil for the detail it's mr brad what do you make out of this story my dear friend yeah i i uh i'm, I'm with seth and that i have to kind of catch up a little bit and i'm looking forward to it uh it might be actually the next big series i dive into because i i uh I, I watched the the first two so i have to kind of get back into the swing of things because everything that we've talked about we you know we do talk about the show a lot on this podcast and and they're all such fun stories and six and you know season six looks like it's going to uh continue all that uh you know i i can't think of a more perfect show for uh you know cast members of rupaul's drag race to be on that's not a reality show than than lucifer so i think that they'll fit right in and and we'll have a lot of fun so yeah so yeah and and honestly i would not be surprised if they come out at some point and say oh yeah you know it's been renewed for two more seasons and then it just keeps on going and going uh and if you think about it that is pretty impressive that it's gotten as far as it has because netflix does tend to shut down shows after three or four seasons pretty regularly and right now lucifer is still going strong so that really says a lot for the show itself and the fan base and uh you know so yeah let it keep going as long as it's got uh got steam in the engine and it looks like it could go for a while and up next with uh, the tv news uh <clears throat> we learned that nick cregan is joining the cast of batwoman season three uh seth what was your take on this I think it's a really interesting development. Um, I, I love the way that the I'm, I'm not familiar with the act, but I, I did love the introduction of the story that's suggested in that article. The way uh, we have we have a character coming in who it appears will be at some point develop the possibility of a connection to that woman, but also that she has a son that will be played by Nick Regan. And that he's got a bit of a violent streak that only mom can keep in check. And I think it's going to be a, a really nice thing to enjoy, which is that tension that's going to occur with the idea of uh, family and also, you know, <laughs> that idea that exists in almost every child's mind about how they are seen and looked at by their parents. And this is going to create a lot of fun tension. A lot of great story development, and with a character with this violent streak as it's described, the cool side, I think, uh, well, there's a chance for it to get a bit hairy. Steve, what do you think? I'm really intrigued, um, because you guys spoke last week, obviously, about um, Robin Gibbons coming in as Jada Jet, and... I've never heard of a Jada Jet, but there was a brilliant character during Grant Morrison's run on Batman called Jezebel Jet, who is one of Bruce Wayne's 
most intriguing love interests and the character did a complete 360 from when you first met them to, to the end of their arc. And if they're tying that story in, then this is going to be a really wild ride because that character is, as I said, brilliant. And if she has a son and there could be a relationship building that's going to get Batwoman involved, I'm really, really excited. He's a good actor. I do believe I've seen him before. I can't put my finger where, but Robin Givens, she's been around forever from Boomerang to, 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 to whatever else. I mean, she's been around for decades. So I see her being a really powerful rich threat financially behind the scenes for batwoman while he becomes a thorn in the side physically or whatever case um batwoman season two i didn't even want to watch it when it first came out it's really impressed me so bring on season three i'm looking forward to seeing everything that they've uh, got ready to throw at us what about you brad one thing that i like about Batwoman right now is that Ryan Wilder was not a character that was originally in the comics. So there's kind of this blank slate that they can use to surprise viewers and create a a nice backstory. So that makes this fun to kind of speculate about what, who is Jada Jet and her son and what is Jet Industries. And Steve, that's a really good point about Jezebel Jet. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So, you know, th- there may be a little bit of a, a kind of comic related backstory to her character. And uh, yeah, it, it, like you said, Steve, it's in, in, intriguing. It makes me very curious about what we're going to see in uh, Batwoman season three. And moving on uh, to our next story in uh TV and streaming news. And Seth, I think this is a story that you are going to really get a kick out of. Uh, it looks like we're going to have a little bit of a mini Arrowverse crossover in the second season of Stargirl. Seth, what was your take on this? Seriously? I, I just got like a speed force high off this story. <laughs> I mean, one, John Wesley Ship has got to be, I mean, he must, he simply is one of the kindest and most just the guy just exudes light, you know, like I, I'm pretty sure he's always tapped into the speed force and, and always letting it shine through uh, this, this article. I mean, not only does it start out with, you know, John's just giving that lovely reference to, I grew up watching the flash TV show. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I got the flash TV special number one in the bag. Like, you know, <laughs> and most of my friends were like, why are you getting that? And I was like, I don't care what you think. Uh, this is my Flash. And I've loved watching him come back through the CW Flash and every time. I mean, I'm just going to say this. If you haven't seen the finale, the two-parter, and you get a chance, my goodness, the man looks like younger and fitter than, than I just can't explain it. It's just that ridiculous. And then his enthusiasm in this article just... It exudes all of that sort of vibrance and joy. And clearly, he had a great time working with them. He's like an immediate cheerleader for uh, for the show. And like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's going to be August 10th. Don't wait for me. I'm like, not until like episode nine. But you got to watch it. From, I mean, I love that, <laughs> that feeling coming from him. And I also love that Johns is very aware of the fact like, yeah, 
we we knew that if we could make this all line up and the fact that here was John Wesley Ship, who I grew up watching as a kid, who's now playing the Earth 2, Jay Garrick, and that we have a chance to go ahead and use that bridge to make this wonderful beginning of a connection to Arrowverse. You gotta, you gotta love the intention. You gotta love the want, and of course, you gotta love the suggestion he makes with the idea of future opportunities. I, I am going to laugh and chuckle, probably drop on the floor and kick up my heels because that's the reverse of Steve jumping up and down. Um, and speaking of Steve, what's your response? Just like you, my friend, smiling from ear to ear. First of all, Star Girl season two. Good news. The Justice Society, good news. John Wesley Ship as Jay Garrick, the original Flash. Holy hell, this is the best news ever. Like you said, a, a great ambassador for the industry, a wonderful human being, terrific actor, vintage Flash. And as a Flash fan, no one will know that better than you. But come on, this is win, win, win written all over it this is this is better than the lottery and the casinos and everything else rolled into one this is a abundance of riches as we say star girl was a show that i thought really and i watched it and i loved it so the fact it's carrying on with eclipso as a villain the justice society the flash all these great characters jade and well if jade's coming on we've got to see obsidian down the road right um excited isn't even the word happy joyful gleeful mirthful and all the other fools that you can think of that are nice fools what about you brad yeah this is one of my favorite stories this week uh, I just I just love John Wesley Shipp's enthusiasm for the character. He's always da- down to come and play the role and really dig deep. And it's been so much fun watching him uh, as the Flash over the years. And it makes perfect sense that he comes back into you know the the JSA. So I am super excited for this, and I'm super excited for the second season of Stargirl too because and I. I, I think with all of us, it was something like Steve, like you said, that just kind of blew us away. That was better than we were expecting it to be. Uh, the way they're using the JSA characters and the modern characters and tying it all together. And this season, we're getting Eclipso Shade. And uh, it, it, yeah, I, I cannot wait until uh, August uh, 11th. And with that, guys, we are going to take a quick break to pay some bills and you'll hear from our sponsors and we will be right back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's dcnews Three five DC News thirty five. Use that code and receive thirty five percent off site wide at insighteditions.com. 
This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup. A Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. 
and we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bad go? No, no one had to see more of the bad no, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And welcome back to uh, the DC Comics News uh, podcast. I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and I'm joined by Seth Singleton and Steve J. Ray. We've talked movies, we've talked TV and streaming, and now we're going to talk some comics. Uh, first up, it looks like uh, Jock is going to be uh, writing and drawing a three-issue Batman series for Black Label. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? I love the idea behind it. I love the idea of you know using the great concept of a miniseries to capture one night and talk about a night. You know, transporting a prisoner. It happens to be ridiculously hot. It's like uh, that old that old song line. You know, summertime, the killing season. It's hot enough out. It's good enough reason. <laughs> All I can think about is you know in the middle of the dark, a hot night when everyone's restless and just. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, there's parts of town where, you know, you just don't want that to happen. It all goes very wrong. I love the way Jacques describes how, you know, <laughs> as he says it so well, you know how much I love drawing that, right? Well, now I get to marry that to my own storyline and you get to come along for the ride. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous art. Loved clicking over to the DC Comics link and just seeing that that sort of great feeling of the uh, the cover there. And there's also some lovely suggestions of some variants that might be of interest to, say, some Batman fans, like maybe Steve J. Ray. What about you, Steve? (sighs) This story, (laughs) um, very polarizing thoughts and emotions going through me. I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you guys, I'm sure I have, that I'm writing a Batman script set in one night in Batman's life. And I called it One Dark Night. 
And lo and behold, one of my favourite artists in all of Batman history is doing a story that's got the same title and the same kind of premise. But, um, I'm sure he'll do it a lot better than I did. But come on, this is Jock. This guy is an absolute genius. I love his work. If you guys have read Batman Black Mirror, if you guys have read Green Arrow Year One, if you guys have read... Um, the Batman who laughs. This guy's amazing. He's absolutely brilliant. And if he writes half as well as he draws, then this story's going to be incredible. Is it on my list? Hell yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just in some ways I'm praying it's not as good as my story, but I know it will be. But Jock, pff, he's a legend. I love him. And yep, this is on my pull list for sure. <laughs> what about you, Brad? Well, now I'm intrigued, Steve. I want to read. Uh, I want to read the script you're writing. No matter what happens with Jock series, I definitely want to. Well, see I have to finish uh, it first, with. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but uh, this man, if you are in any way, shape, or form a Batman fan, and you cannot find a Batman comic that you enjoy, you're just not trying hard enough because there are so many great. Batman takes out there right now between, you know, now and the end of the year with things like this one dark night and uh, the next Batman stuff that's going to be coming out or I am Batman is going to be coming out and reptilian and on just all this and fear state that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, and if you are a Batman fan and you haven't read Bat- a Batman comic for a long time, now is the the time to jump in. Uh I, uh, I I'm very much looking forward to this. I think it's a very cool concept for a story. And I think it's I like that it's three issues, because if it is, you know, the one night in Batman's life and transferring a prisoner, I don't think it would need to be more than three. I think that Jock can tell a really concise, tight, action packed story in three issues. So this is probably one of my favorite stories uh, this week as well. I'm uh, moving on. Uh, DC and Walmart are working together again uh, for a My First Comic program. Seth, what was your take on this? I'm just going to say one follow-up to the last story, which is, Steve, I remember you telling me the first time you told us about that script idea. Never forgot it. Never forgot it. Good idea. You never forget. Potentially, maybe, you know, when you finish it. You should offer it up to Jack and just say, hey, man, this is what I was working on when you came out with, and, you know. Another dark night. Exactly. See? Right there. Why does it just have to be one dark night? Huh? Anyways, DC, we're here. We got the brilliance. You're listening to us. Just tap in, baby. It's like the source. Just <sighs> tap in. Anyways, about this one. <laughs> DC and Walmart teaming up. I love a first comic idea. I, I love the whole concept. I love the images that are included. Um, I love that there's this intention behind, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, you, you get them all that are young. You know, you introduce the idea early and you have an opportunity to bring in a whole new, maybe more than one generation of readers. And I mean, there's the bonus of the fact that you're starting out with two 48 pagers or a 48 pager with two and one, as I misspoke quite, quite noticeably there. 
Um, and then it's going to be starting up. I mean, we're recording this on the uh, 31st, but starting next week, it'll be something you can get a hold of. Plus, you've got a little Space Jam mixed in there with some bugs and a, a bit of good time. And I, I like the concept. I just like that you're including some well-known characters to launch it. You know, you've got um, the the Batman featuring the Batman Adventures series, which has just been top-notch. And And I also love that this could be start of something i don't know with unseen potential but that could really create its own wave if done correctly i'm looking forward to them coming out maybe snagging a couple copies for the nieces and nephews steve what do you think i think that it's a crime that they don't have walmarts in this country however this whole concept this whole idea this whole getting kids to read we've spoken about it frequently hundreds of times how this is something that dc do magnificently getting the kids to read the same way we became fans when we were children when we had spinner racks when we could pick up comic books everywhere having them in a walmart having them in a place which is prevalent as far as i can make out in virtually every town in the u.s this is fantastic and hey flip books you finish one comic flip it over and read another comic woohoo i love it um i'm just gonna have to probably send you guys some money to save me a stash of these every month when they come out and then post them over to me because i've probably got all the stories anyway i've got every issue of the batman adventures volume one and two batman and robin adventures gotham adventures uh batman and um oh what's the other one called uh Batman Adventures, uh, The Lost Years. I've got every single individual issue and I'm collecting Batman Adventures uh, continue. So as you said, Seth, that comic is masterpiece. It's a comic you can pick up and read with your children. It's a comic you can read as an adult or by yourself. It's got layers. It's got nuance. It's got character. It's got action. It's got fun. It's got thrills. There's a couple of completely silent issues with no words in them because the storytelling is that concise. These are the comics I read to Adam when they were little and I put on all the voices. I'd be Batman. I'd be Bruce Wayne. I'd be the Joker. I'd do them all for him. And that's stuck. And that's memories that live forever. People out there with children, the Batman Adventures is the comic to pick up, whichever iteration. And if you can get these again, reprinted in a flip book at Walmart, they're everywhere. This is great. This is one of my top stories for this week. It makes me happy. Now, Walmart, open some damn stores in Europe, will you? Brad. Uh, anything that gets kids to read comics is a great thing. Anything that gets kids to read in general is a great thing. So I love this idea. And I, as much as I loved the giant issues that, uh, that um, Walmart put out, I, this is almost a better idea because it is a way to get kids that are younger into it. And it's a great way for, like you were saying, you know, Steve used to read to your son. Uh, it's a great way for uh, parents who are comic fans to get their children into comics. It's just, you just can't go wrong. And uh, and you're right. The issues are that they are reprinting are are amazing. So this is a great, great way to jump on 
uh, to comics for kids. So, yeah, I think it's it's all around. It's just great news that they're doing this. And I will be happy to pick up some issues for you, Steve. So don't even bless you, brother. Thank you. (laughs) And our last bit of comic book news is uh, Superman is going to have a midlife crisis. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? Really great concept to embrace and consider with all the changes that they're talking about Superman and his family undertaking. I mean, you know, what future state suggested at the beginning with the idea of why is Superman on Warworld and what is he doing there to the recent developments in the comics that have shown us just what it would take for him to leave Earth behind? And then this great conversation with some wonderful masters of storytelling, Tom Taylor, describing how it's about the trust he has in John that gives him the confidence to leave Earth knowing it's in great hands and that eventually it's part of John's future anyways to also what it means for Superman at this point in his life to look back at that you know I mean let's face it we're all kind of kids in our 20s I think that's my take Um, and and how he had this intention when he started out just to, to do good but the idea of establishing that presence in the larger context of the universe of the multiverse of the omniverse becoming a superman who's more than just what he represents for the planet earth but what he is beginning to represent for all these planets and what he can start by doing on war world and then afterwards i mean it's interesting when you set yourself with a task that takes you somewhere different once you've completed that task or maybe even the midst of it there's an awareness of when i'm done here what next does he go back home and, and you know, basically supplant his son? Or does he consider the fact that he left with the intention of doing a job and that he trusted John to be there? And that once he's completed his task and taken on this very interesting idea behind Mongol and the successor, uh, the successors and um, the succession, but, but also then who is Superman to the rest of the universe? And, And what does that mean if you're going to go on to a next mission? Does it have to be about an emotional familial uh, connection? Or can it be about that reason that the connection and family was so strong and how you can use that same desire to then turn to so many other planets that need him? And um, I love the idea of this beginning a, a really interesting new chapter for both Superman and John. And that it's in the hands of some you know, writers who, well, they've taken a long, hard look at a lot of these characters. And what they've shown us so far is an ability to do the best so well that you're looking at it afterwards and going, OK, I completely trust you. And I'm excited because of you and these characters for what's next. Steve? Well said. I liked all of that. Um, yeah. Philip Kennedy Johnson great writer i'm still getting familiar with his work but i'm loving what i'm reading so far um grant morrison legend and tom taylor one of those guys who now i will literally pick up anything with his name on it superman is in very safe hands and hey even if we look back to the original superman movie and man of steel 
the lines where well superman can't be everywhere at once there's sometimes when you can't save everybody but this is the perfect time to have more than one superman john has proved himself so much so that clark is prepared to leave earth to go on a mission in space and leave the earth to his son but even if he does come back what could be better for the world than having two supermen one a superman of metropolis one a superman of the world i mean the possibilities are endless the storytelling ideas are endless this is great i remember as a kid that superman wasn't just the hero of earth he was the hero of the universe he was the inspiration for everybody the legion of superheroes wouldn't have existed without him this is a modern dc way of making superman that once again a champion for the universe and that just makes me happy as a comics fan and people might go on about oh superman's overpowered cosmic this cosmic that but hey i love my grounded heroes it's no secret but we need the fancy element we need the heroes that are bigger bolder larger than life to be an inspiration to get kids imaginations fired up and these three writers seem like they've got the finger on the pulse of three amazing ways where these characters can go hey i'm all for it brilliant really good stuff what about you brad yeah absolutely uh you know superman is one of those characters that it's kind of um he is so powerful and it's sometimes a struggle um to humanize that character in a way uh and it's fun to watch writers you know just make him relevant and and make him remark about the world as it is today and you couldn't ask for better writers than you know your tom taylor's your grant morrison's or what have you so i i think superman is definitely in good hands and you and you're right with the whole uh omniverse multiverse i mean there the, the the possibilities are absolutely uh endless and i have to say this article made me uh you know a, a lot more excited for the war world rising uh event that uh, is coming up so yeah I, i'm interested to see what happens with superman down the road and it looks like these could be stories that could affect the character for a while so that's you know it's also cool to have stories that do have high stakes so yeah i'm looking to looking forward to seeing where these stories take superman and how he is going to be kind of reinvented uh in this in this next arc so yeah once again it's one of those great time to be a dc fan and with that we're going to step away from our comic book news and move into uh that other category which could include so much up first is uh, Jim Lee has raised over $800,000 for comic book shops affected by COVID. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? I was just sort of chuckling to myself right now and thinking about the fact that when we were just talking about that last story, uh, the two big names are Tom Taylor and Grant Morrison, but Philip Kennedy Johnson has been doing, you know, this, this really magical work with, uh, house of l and um his superman stories recently that it, it made me like just right i mean oh and god if you guys I, I've, I've preached it enough and i'll say it again and hopefully every once in a while I'll, I'll really restrain but the last god books if you get a chance to just see what he did with 
I mean, talk about building an entire mythology from top to bottom. I mean, in the most intricate and loving ways. Uh, it reminds me about how when when Jim Lee first started like being a name on people's lips, it was just the beginning of his potential. And now here we are, how many decades later, going, look at this man. Look at what he's doing now. I, I, it, it just makes me look at Phil K. Dante and be like, hey, man, what? What do you see down the road? Because sometimes what what you're capable of is something like raising over $800,000 for comic shops. And just by doing what you love, what you're good at, what you have made your name on. And also, I mean, what a bright light he was throughout 2020. He just, he seemed like that person who was very aware of just how effective they could be, just how powerful they could be how much they could use what they do and then take that and say, well, sure, I could just collect it all up like I'm some kind of solar battery or I can share. I can use this with a very specific thing in mind. Let's help local comic shops. Let's do a 60 and 60. Um, and <laughs> at the end of it, if you can say you raised the money he did for a cause like that, it's a wonderful use of someone's gifts. It's a very selfless way to sort of see yourself as part of enacting the change that everyone's always talking about. And I mean, if you want a great symbol to be synonymous with DC Comics, it's really easy to look at Jim Lee and nod, smile and say, OK, can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Steve, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. This guy He's gone from like cool comic book artist to red hot comic book artist to legendary comic book artist to one of the men who runs DC to going back, picking up his pens and pencils, drawing 60 sketches. And they're not sketches. If you look at some of the detail in these pieces, they are mind blowing and better than some finished comics are. 60 sketches in 60 weeks to help comic book stores this guy has gone from comic book artist to comic book hero as far as i'm concerned this man is a bona fide hero what he's doing what he's done for the industry what he's done for charity what he's done to help the business that made him who he is that, that put him on the map is phenomenal if every creative talent did that kind of thing, no one would talk about, oh, comics in trouble. They're going to stop publishing comics. You're not going to have comics anymore. When your kids grow up, the comics aren't going to exist. You'd have a blossoming, powerful comic book industry. And let's hope that these are the first steps, because as far as I'm concerned, Jim Lee should be in a comic book hall of fame with Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Siegel and Schuster, Mort Weisinger and all the legends. He should be in there because he deserves it. Um, brilliant. Fantastic. Amazing amount of money raised in a brilliant way, a cool way. And just look at that art. Wonderful. What do you make of it, Brad? Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, he he does deserve to be up there with the, with the Kirby's. Uh, and, you know, and, and the Schusters of the world. And part of it is because of his art, but also part of, part of it is how he interacts with the community. And helping these comic stores is such uh, 
a great thing to do and important because we need these shops to survive. We need those places to go uh, to pick up comics. We don't want to see we don't want to see that go away. It's so important. So uh, it, it's just great to see that real sense of community and, and coming together to uh, try to help these shops out. So you know, Jim Lee definitely deserves uh, praise for doing this and. 800,000 is definitely a large amount. It's nothing to, uh, you know, shake a stick at. That can go a long way to helping out some of these shops. So uh, kudos for him. And, you know, we are getting through this COVID thing because we're working together. And this is a perfect example of that. And our next story is uh, Winston Duke uh, is going to be voicing uh, Batman. Uh, in an upcoming audio story. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? Such a great choice. I mean, what a voice. What an absolute voice. I, all I can think of is that great line from uh, Black Panther where he's like, you say one more word, I'm going to feed you to my children. Duh! We're vegetarians. Like, <laughs> I love the, the gruff. I love the humor. I love the comedic timing. I, I love the idea of then taking all that presence and voice and, and crafting this really fun audio where that voice is so significant. And then also with a, a really interesting take on a, uh, a Bruce Wayne who he's in a place we're not used to seeing it. And I, I think uh, his voice matched with this story and setting a tone that I'm looking forward to being, you know, very original and and also something that can take advantage of all the best qualities of audio drama it sounds like a perfect match steve i i would imagine you have some thoughts this is great absolutely great uh we heard that we were going to be getting audio stories where batman was a police officer now a forensic pathologist that sits a lot better with me than a cop on a beat or worse, a cop with a gun. So I, I actually love this and it fits. What was Bruce Wayne's father? A doctor, a surgeon, following in his dad's footsteps while also fighting crime. I absolutely love this. Is it totally different? Yes. Is it a change from the norm? Yes. Who cares? Multiple Earths, multiple realities, multiple Batman, fantastic stories and a great actor taking on the role. I do not have to be a purist. Batman needs to be this. Batman needs to be that. If I was, I wouldn't like any of the Batman films because Michael Keaton blows a guy up by sticking a bomb in his belt and dropping him down into a basement. Um, ben Affleck's run over so many people. It's horrific, but they are all aspects of batman they were all great batman and now we're getting a brand new one who's got comic credentials winston duke i cannot wait to hear you play bruce wayne sir really looking forward to it brad yeah i'm looking forward to it too except like you said he's got such a voice i keep i keep picturing it in my head and yeah i, I kind of can't wait to to hear what he does as the role i think he I, I think that's a great choice and 
you know, Steve, you and I are kind of audio drama fans, so this should be right up our alleys. So, oh yeah, yeah. So this should be this should be fun to check out. And continuing on with that theme, uh, the Sandman Act Two, uh, Audible, you know, for the Audible original uh, adaptation, has gotten some casting news for Act Two. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? I mean, look, guys, it's really sweet when you ask me my thoughts about stuff like this. But there's some part of me that's like, I could, and maybe I would, maybe I should. But I think the best thing I can often do is say, you know, if you listen enough, how just how knowledgeable Steve J. Ray and Brad Blicky are about this. I am not nearly so much. I am always excited to hear more about Sandman, about the characters, um, about developments. But I also feel like there's like listening to a fan and then listening to an authority. So with that in mind, brilliant casting, brilliant uh, selection of characters and choices. Now, you're going to get to hear from the people who can say it's so much better and with so much more insight to which I say, listen to Stephen Brad. Steve? Guys, I'm at the center of the earth. I jumped through my floss. I I fall into the center of the earth. Help! This is the best <laughs> news ever. Come on. This cast, are you freaking kidding me with this cast? Brian Cox, Emma Corrin, John freaking Lithgow, David Tennant, Bill Nye, Kevin freaking Smith, Baby Newith, Maria Margulies, Arthur Darville, Joanna freaking Lumley. The list goes on. And Brad, you and I, my friend, have spoken for hours, not just on the podcast we made together about this, this particular series of comics, but off the air talking about how amazing season one of the audio was how it literally was the comics page without the pictures but with pictures that flew through your brain and came to life with the narration and the voices damn the second this series is out season two i'm gonna be on it like flies on you know what i cannot freaking wait ah i need to go take a lie down i am so 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 excited i might even need a cold shower brad please save me from myself before i drool this casting is absolutely so inspired Uh, i just love it i can't wait to see what kevin smith does as mer Pumpkinhead. um and I and I'm really curious. Want to play the part? Yeah. And Kristen Chol <laughs> as Delirium could be right. really, really what? cool. I mean, I I love her, and that would be. I uh, mean, I can't wait to hear what she does with it. And Jeffrey Wright as Destiny. Oh, come on, come on. And we've talked about him a lot these days on the podcast. So it's great to still have him being involved in DC in other ways. And Dave Tennant as Loki. Come on. I mean, this is just, this is just dream casting right here. I cannot wait. This is like, I see what you did there. Dream casting. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) But it, but it, it really, it really is. I mean, this is like, this is taking as good as that, 
you know, that first season or, or volume or whatever you want to call it was, this is just taking it to another level. I mean, this is just, you know, incredible. Uh, and, you know, people really responded to Kat Dennings as death and she's coming back. So that is great. And Neil Gaiman is still going to be the narrator. Oh, man, I, I, I can't wait. This cannot come out soon enough. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and John, John Lithgow, I could go on and on about him, how great he's going to be as Emperor Norton, which was such a fascinating character anyway. And he's such a fascinating actor that that's just going to be. That's just going to be gold. So I learned about American history because of the Emperor Norton story. I did not know that that guy actually existed, that San Francisco had an emperor. Um, yeah. Dan, I just, yeah, give me it now. I want it, want it, want it now. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and our last bit of news for, uh, for this episode, uh, McFarlane Toys has taken over the DC Direct brand and products. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? It's really interesting that just a few minutes ago we were talking about what Jim Lee was doing with his talent. And when the announcement that suddenly there goes DC Direct and it's all shutting down was made, I mean, <laughs> it's it's suddenly like, well, well, well what do we do? What, what What's going to happen? And this announcement about you know Todd McFarlane taking over and the fact that popular lines like DC Designer – uh, Batman Black and White, Harley Quinn Red, White, and Black are all still going to be continued with that quality that McFarlane has established with his work. I mean, there's a reason why we have when different works that he's been part of have you know been featured on here. Why it's like a 10-minute gush fest about the details and the quality. And now imagine if you take that same you know, principle, that, that same creator, and say, here, here's our DC line, rock and roll. Like, make it work, make it good, make it well. Just take that magic you've been working on your own stuff, <laughs> just bring it on over. And I'm really interested to see in, in not only what new stuff will be coming along, but also the fact that you get this continuation because of someone with his talent and expertise. And you get to look forward to more from that collection. So I think it's a best of both world thing. You get some of the, the greats that were continuing. You get to add new stuff. But more importantly, you know that there's going to be an aesthetic detail that comes from Todd McFarlane that you don't get anywhere else. And now DC is going to have it in-house. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start selling some blood and whatever other objects around the house i can start you know pawning so look for me on ebay and mercury and whatever else man, because there are things i simply will not be able to resist and todd mcfarlane you you know this i don't know if you're in my dreams you're just poisoning you know my will but it, it's working and um, i'm ready to give you a like a lifeline straight to the bank account so i'm good let's do this see we talked about this, didn't we, a few months back on the show about DC Direct closing down. And it was sad news because they've made some pretty cool stuff over the years. But to find out that they're going to go from making pretty cool stuff to being run and taken over by arguably the top action figure manufacturers on planet Earth, McFarlane Toys. This is amazing. 
uh, Brad, you and I again have talked about this and I'm talking about with my friends who do collect action figures that we don't buy them, but we live vicariously through the people that do. Mm-hmm. Seth, you you said it as well that McFarlane toys are the, are the figures we wished we had when we were kids. And the fact that they are going to be running the entire DC brand now, well, A, they've earned it, they deserve it, and I don't think anybody could do it better. This is win-win. This is great news. For the people who do buy action figures, I hope you have lots of rewins, my friend. Otherwise, you're going to be like my friend Seth, selling parts of his anatomy just so he can get some of this stuff. And hey, if I wanted to buy something... I'd buy me a Seth and he could watch movies with me and we could eat pizza. We could have Brad and the guys round and we could just take over the world. <laughs> Brad, what do you make of this story? Uh, you know, it is in good hands going to Todd McFarlane uh, toys. There's there's no better brand in the business than Todd McFarlane when it comes to action figures so uh and and he seems the 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 work that he's done with DC in the past few years has been amazing as well with all the different uh multiverse characters and things like that that he's put out I I I think this is uh, a win-win for DC for Todd McFarlane and for for fans and yes Steve you're right I don't collect toys but I like living vicariously and seeing what's out there and uh I can't wait to see what uh, what they come out with uh, with this, you know, partnership. So, yeah, toy collectors, you're in for some cool stuff down the road. And that wraps up another episode of the DC Comics News podcast. Uh, like us, subscribe, rate us, tell us what you think. Uh, you can find us wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. And Seth, where can people find you? Not just come find me here. Just, just, just subscribe, man. Log on, tune in, turn up. It's going to be a good time. You can always find me hanging out with uh, this amazing group. Sometimes there's more, sometimes less, but it's always a fun time hanging out, talking news stories. You can catch me giving my top five picks each week. On the spinner rack, you can catch me hanging out with this wild and woolly crew when it comes to Mad Love. And every once in a while, you'll catch me writing some reviews for DC Comics News. Steve, how about you? Oh, um, easiest way is just type in Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice to read my written work across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes and CBR. But you can also hear my dulcet tones on this wonderful show with my brothers and sisters, the DC Comics News podcast, every now and then on the other show, Harley Quinn the uh, the Mad Love Holly Quinn cast, and on my own show with my son Adam, where we talk about Batman, I Am the Knights, and my own little show called Superheroes for Dummies, where you tell us who you want us to talk about, you send us the questions, and we answer them on the Comics in Motion feed. But most of all, where I do a lot of damage is on Twitter. If you want to ask me a question or talk to me, or just generally geek out, hit me up there at Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. What about you, Brad Meister? Where can the multiverse in all its facets find you and your work? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News. So you can find me 
uh, on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. So, and with that, uh, we'll wrap this episode up by saying something that we say every episode and that everybody should be doing. And that is to read more comics. Until next week, everybody. Bye-bye.